Hey guys, Mark here. Uh, episode 11 today. We're talking a little bit of uh, WWE, WrestleMania Day. Uh, we're also talking about the Indians and their hot start to the season. Cavaliers wrapping up their season. Uh, looking to see what they end up doing uh, with the draft coming up. And moving on to the Browns. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. A couple different signings. A trade that we uh, break down. As well as the draft coming up. So uh, stick around and tune in. All right, episode 11 coming at you today. Happy WrestleMania Day, Brandon. I know you're super pumped about that today. Yeah, super excited. I know nothing about wrestling, so. I do, though, so I'm very excited about it. Seth Rollins, Becky Lynch, both winning the, the titles tonight. Probably Kofi Kingston going to beat Daniel Bryan. You know what I'm talking about. No, I don't. No. no. Okay. I don't know anything what you're talking about. But I do know my brother used to whoop my ass as a kid because he thought he was a WWE wrestler. I was six years younger than him and light as a feather. So that, he why? used to toss me around like a rag doll. I used and to that's whoop my I, ass. That's why I despise WWE because my brother would like put me in submissions and I was claustrophobic as shit. So I would just freak out, mm. <laughs> and it was no fun. And yeah, I had I had no interest after that. One quick story. So when I was six years old, my parents wanted me to try out wrestling, mm -hmm. and no matter how many times they told me when I was a kid, I thought it was like WWE style <laughs> of wrestling. So we're driving to our local high school to check it out and practice and i'm like crying in the back seat just i'm so scared i thought like i was gonna get choke slammed by cane through a table and <laughs> stone cold was gonna stone cold stun me and all this stuff but then yeah turned out it was not you anything should, like that should have rolled up in some like ripped up jeans and then a t-shirt with the sleeves ripped off and like ready to go just have like just a super a hammer in my pocket or something <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that would have been uh really really interesting um, I, I, I tried wrestling for a year myself, not a fan of regular, like, you know, like the school kind of wrestling with mm -hmm. Greco Roman or whatever, yeah. like the Olympic style, that kind of stuff, the stuff you do in high school and in college. Not, not a big fan of that little, little too much touchy feely with other men for me. Eh, fair enough. I, I did it for yeah. a while and it, it was, it was fine. First pitch hit high, hit deep to left. Down the line it goes. It is gone. Over on the right side, Kipnis diving toward his left. Has it, gets up, throws. He got him. Swung on, hit high, hit deep to left. Away, back, gone. So let's start talking about actual sports that we talk about on this podcast. Yeah, why not? Um, so Tribe started off pretty slow went one and two versus the twins and one and one versus the white Sox, who are awful uh and then today they wrapped up a complete four game sweep against the blue jays so uh as of right now starting off the year six and three that's without kipnis and lindor so i'm pretty happy about that yeah this is really gonna hurt my credibility but like i was telling you before the show uh there's so like the baseball happens so fast there's with there being games every day, I kind of lost track of it. I didn't really pay attention for a couple of days. The The times that I did pay attention, it was bad. It was all bad. So I thought we were, like, floating around 500. So that's actually really good. Um, that was a, a good surprise for me. 
Um, but yeah, the for sweeping the Blue Jays, that's awesome. I mean, they yeah. had a, they had a rough start versus the Twins, but overall, where they're sitting now, it's okay for not having a couple of key guys in the lineup. Right, and I mean, you know, like I already said, Lindor and Kipnis both not uh, back yet. Right. Carlos Santana and Tyler Naquin are the two guys that are hitting over 300. And then our third hitter is Hanley Ramirez. I believe he's hitting 238. So, I mean, offensive production-wise, barely anything there. I do have to give props to Carlos Santana, though. I am not usually a fan of him. I think he's pretty overrated. Uh, but, I mean, he's been on fire. He's hitting 419 with uh, Homer, eight RBIs. Uh, he's walked four times and has only struck out three times. So, I mean, that's a pretty pretty good stat line for him to open up the year. I Obviously, hitting 419 is not going to continue throughout the entire season. Sure. But if he can put up pretty good numbers like this, then, I mean, you know, that's a, that's a great sign for sure. Yeah, it's definitely really good to see. Somebody needed to step up, so. Yeah, with J-Ram struggling right now, he's only hitting, I think, like 138 or 193, something around there. Yeah. Uh, Lindor obviously being out trading Edwin Encarnacion, we needed another bat. So, uh, And then, yeah, Eric Stamets, he's the guy who's kind of filled in a little bit for Lindor. He just got his first hit yesterday, which is uh, the third game against Toronto. So now definitely he, need Lindor back. Has but, he been up the whole season? or did So he far, yeah. Of, okay. Yep. So <laughs> one yeah. hit in nine games? Yeah, not, not ideal. But... He's not our answer, obviously. So, Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, speaking of Lindor and Kipnis, a little bit of an update. Uh, Frankie has uh, said that he's doing everything but playing baseball, if that makes any sense. So he's not cutting with his ankle yet, but running, fielding, uh, batting practice, things like that, he is doing. So that's a good sign. I, I would expect him back in probably a week or two. Uh, Kipnis has been rehabbing in AAA, so he should probably be back up soon as well. Not sure what that means for the future of Brad Miller, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, any progress is good. Sorry, we got some dogs going crazy over here. Action here yeah, yeah. Uh, any progress is good for sure. That just means he's you know closer and closer to getting back, so hopefully we get to see him back on the field and back in the uniform really soon. Yeah, and you know that also uh we you know we haven't even talked about Carlos Gonzalez yet he'll be up here probably in the next 2 weeks or so just whenever uh he's fully ready to come back yeah gets his timing down his rhythm intact and things like that so uh yeah i mean with those three guys being called up here within the next 2 weeks or so that should definitely give the offense a boost sure so do you think it's too early to start panicking about Corey Kluber because he's only had two starts but as of right now he's 0-2 <laughs> with a 5-2-3 ERA he's only pitched 10 innings 10.1 innings 9 strikeouts and 4 walks the 4 walks is pretty high for him I mean it's only 2 a game but I mean he's you know very accurate so do you do you think it's time to start panicking not panicking but are you concerned? More, not really concerned. Maybe like more puzzled or 
I don't know, just wondering what's going on. I mean, it's early in the season, so it, it's definitely not the time to panic. But it does make you wonder, you know, what's going on. If, if this is just something he's going to get over, if it's, you know, just a little bump in the road for him or something that's going to start being a trend going forward, which would we would not like to see for sure. I, I would say one out of ten on the panic scale. I'm at about a five right now. I got, I'm more. I'm more. I would say I'm more concerned, not panicked. Oh my gosh, Hulk sure. Hogan is on my television screen. Yeah, weird. Hopefully he doesn't say anything racist again. Huh. Um. Yeah, one out of ten. I'm. I'm going to say about a five. I. I think Kluber. The thing that worries me the most about him is how bad he's been in the playoffs the last couple of years. That's that, and tied <clears throat> in with his bad start, his mysterious injuries that they don't really tell us about. I think all of that wrapped in together is making me more concerned. If it was just a one-time deal, he just starts off the year kind of slow, okay, not a big deal. But with the past of the past poor playoff performances and the injuries, I am kind of concerned at the moment. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean we can hope that at the very least, maybe it's just he flips it around this year. Maybe he is somewhat mediocre during the season and then actually shows up during the playoffs. I'll take that. But, no, I don't know. I I agree. I mean, it's a little bit concerning. I wouldn't put myself at a five. I'd probably be around a three if I had to put a number on it. But, yeah. But it's not he, like he's, he's in he's, – he's not playing great teams. He pitched against the Twins and the Blue Jays. Sure. Two very bad lineups. Or maybe it was the White Sox he pitched against. Yeah, it was I'm sorry, it was the White Sox. I mean, I he he was one of the veteran guys. He didn't get a ton of work in spring training cuz they just they don't. I mean, Sure, right. So, he could just be kind of shaking off some of the rust into the new season. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, he's never That's had this what issue I'm hoping. before, you know. Sure. So, uh on the flip side, Trevor Bauer He's 1-0 right now in the two games he's pitched with a .64 ERA. In the 14 innings, he's given up one hit, 17 strikeouts, and seven walks, which he had, I believe, six the other day against the Blue Jays. Um, safe to say Trevor Bauer's our best pitcher? Oh, definitely. Right? And, you know, anybody who was surprised by this, they shouldn't be. If, you know, if you follow him on Instagram or, or on uh, Twitter, I'm sorry, all right, maybe both. You know how hard this guy works. Like, there's a lot made about, you know, him being active and interacting with fans and sometimes it not always being the most nice interactions. But the dude puts in work. I mean, oh, yeah. he is scientific with how he improves his, his pitching. I mean, he added a completely new pitch. Uh, like, was it the curveball or... Uh, Maybe a change up, something like that. One of uh, he still one of Carrasco's pitches, pretty much. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he just he puts so much work and so much effort into improving, and he's still you know pretty young. So he's he's got a bright future, man. And I'm I I'm not surprised by this. Anybody who is, they just they haven't heard they they haven't heard the word. They when don't he's know not, what's up with him. When he's not destroying people on Twitter, he's destroying opponents. <laughs> yeah, definitely. 
I, yeah, as much as he's very bold and very opinionated and downright doesn't give a shit about what other people say, and if I mean, he doesn't like it, he's going to tell you. He's a great pitcher. He's a lot of fun to watch. Talking about bold opinions, I think he, when it's all said and done this year, I think he's going to be the best overall pitcher in the league. Oh, we're skipping. Are we skipping to the hot? No, it's not a hot take. I'm not counting as my hot take because that's. I think that's semi-realistic. I mean, I think we could all agree that he's definitely arguably probably top ten, or you could see him being in that Mm -hmm. top ten easily. But I think he's going to come out on top whenever you go back through the season in the end and kind of go through the numbers. Yeah, and I think a little bit of a theory. He, I think he felt a little slighted that he was not the opening day pitcher. I think that might have added a little bit of juice to, to I, him. I can see that, but I also... He should have just acknowledged that it was a respect thing for Corey Kluber. I mean, you can't... Yeah. Uh-huh. That's, he's been here longer. That's It's always been his thing. I mean, he, he's older. Like he strugg- yeah. yeah, he's older. He's, he, even though he struggled you know, in the playoffs prior to... You know, his start this year, he's always been dynamite. Like, he's just, he's our, was our, you know, technical ace. And, you know, you don't want to, you know, go against somebody who, you know, has worked so hard for you and has locked down that spot for so long. That would have just been, I, it was just a respect thing. And if, if he's really like irked over that, you know, whatever. You know, ask hmm. to uh, tell him tell him to trade Kluber or something. I don't know, but yeah, that's I I don't think that should be a thing. And if so, then that would kind of make me a little a little little mad at him if if he really had that mindset. So if if not though, see, I don't you know, I don't like, mind him having the thought of I should be the first one to pitch. I should be the one opening day. I'm the best pitcher. I mean, you need to have a confidence. There's a difference between like thinking like I'm the best, so I should be out the first, and like being mad about it, like being sure. mad be- because of that this particular situation because you're not understanding the full situation. Like any other any other team, if they don't have a guy like Kluber on it, you know, like it's just I think a, a special scenario. It was one game, the very beginning of the year. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, it's opening no. day, obviously, but but know. it's more of like the the title of opening day pitcher. Sure, you know, that usually goes to I can see the it. team's best pitcher, and I, I don't think he's mad. Right, I think he realizes you know Kluber being a veteran and things yeah. of that nature. I mean, if you're going to be a good you're, if you're going to be a good professional athlete, you're always going to think you're the best at what you do. Right, exactly. If you don't, then you're probably not going to be very successful. Right, <laughs> exactly. Uh, how do you feel about Tito pulling Bauer uh, last game? Seven innings, he had a no-hitter, but he's up to 117 pitches. Yeah, it was smart. I think Bauer, if he could, he could have powered through it just fine. He <laughs> He's a freak, yeah. No homo, he's got endurance, though. Yeah, yeah, he so does. He so can, he can sit Durability. there and throw forever. But, yeah, I that's a smart move. It's too early in the season to mess around with that. So. Yeah, Bauer said, "I don't care." Right? You know, he just wants to win. He wants to win a World Series. Exactly. Uh, it, it would have been nice to see a no hitter, obviously, but it doesn't matter. And he, as long as Bauer doesn't care, what's it? You know, what's it matter? Right. 
So, uh, yeah, uh, Indians coming up here. Let me just double-check my notes just to make sure. They have a series starting up here against the Tigers. Uh, we owned Detroit last year. Yeah, Detroit's not very good. We play at Detroit this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. After that, we go to Kansas City Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I feel like it was just like three or four years ago where Detroit really gave us trouble every time we played them. And then it just immediately... Verlander used to kill us. Yeah, and then, and then it just... Like his last us, year or two in Detroit, all of a sudden we just started destroying him. Yeah, it just completely flipped. It was kind of, it's kind of funny. Like, that's yeah, the one thing I, I did notice uh, with, the, with the Indians and them, so... Yeah, so uh, I think that's going to pretretty much be about it for the Indians unless you have anything else to add. Nope, that's going to okay. do it. We're going to take a quick break here and we will move on to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Talk a little bit about them. We haven't done much as of late, so we will kind of give an update with what's going on with them. All right, getting back to it, we are talking Cleveland Cavaliers. We're going to start out the Cavs talk. Channing Fry is retiring. He's always just been that good guy mentor, hanging around, always happy to help along the young guys. It's going to be sad to see him retire. He's really seems like a really good dude, really funny dude. It seems like when there's kind of tension in the locker room or there's reports of it, he's kind of one of the guys that, is there him and RJ to, try to ease go, it? Yeah, I, m- I miss RJ. Them, them two together were hilarious. Yeah, and it's funny because they o- were only with the Cavs, you know, a couple years each. Yeah, but I'll only or I'll always remember them as Cavs. I, you know, I mean, I know Jefferson was a big part of the Nets when he was younger, and Fry got drafted by the Knicks. But I mean, I'll always remember them as Cavs because of what they did for us during that championship year. And uh, did you see on Twitter? The Cavs changed their profile picture to Channing Fry. Did they really? They did. And uh, I'm pretty sure Kevin Love un- uh, tweeted at the Cavs account and said unfollowed when they <laughs> showed it. It was pretty funny. I'm pretty sure he created Lil Kev, didn't he? I believe so. Yeah, I believe so. So he brought he brought that greatness to light. If you don't remember, um, that was going around last year or not last year. I'm sorry. Uh, was during the championship run, right? In 2016, probably mm-hmm. when that whole I, thing I blew up. So, yeah, yeah, that was funny. Um, yeah, sad to see him go. I'm and sure he'll be around. Oh yeah, just kind of like sure. RJ was, you know, kind of hanging around a little bit. Yeah, it'd be it'd be cool to see. I think he he's got a podcast with RJ. It's called the uh, the Road Tripping Podcast, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, I mean, I'm kind of ashamed to say I've never listened to it. I think I've heard bits and pieces of it. Like I heard clips, they seem kind of you know seems kind of funny. I'm more of a tomahawk guy myself. Like fair the, enough, yeah. Like the like those guys more mostly just yeah. because it's football talk. Right. Um, any football talk is good for me. But we're still talking basketball. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Cavs got one more game. They play Tuesday night yeah. at home against the Charlotte Hornets. Who uh, the Hornets are still fighting for a playoff berth. So uh, that might end up being a pretty big game for them. So hopefully the Cavs can play spoiler and uh, rain on their parade, so to speak. Uh, Right now, the Cavs are a half game ahead of the Suns for that number two pick. Uh, The Suns have one less loss than we do. 
Uh, the Suns play the Rockets and then the Dallas Mavericks. So probably a loss against the Rockets. Mavericks could be up in the air, though. So if the Suns could squeak one out, we would lock up the number two pick. And the big thing difference-wise between number two and number three, the number two pick, the worst pick we could have is the six overall. If we have the third best odds, the worst pick we could have is seventh overall. So yeah. that's, you know, <clears throat> definitely want as high as we can because we need talent. Sure. And, you know, like we talked about uh, before, the, you know, being in the top three, being locked in there is good because, you know, the chance at number one overall is the same for the right. top three. So that's good. We're in that running. Like you said, you know, the, the lower the better because, you know, the, the potential of, you know, worst possibility gets eased a little bit so yeah we uh really looking forward to the draft though man it's yeah definitely i'm i'm excited to see kind of it feels different it feels different this time around compared to the first time lebron left i think it's because lebron had such a bad year in la like the entire team that is so i i feel like we just I just I have more hope in the Cavs now than I did back then, for sure. With the Anthony Bennett first overall pick days. Oh my and, god. You know, uh, they they really squandered an opportunity then because they, they had there was what, nobody in first, that draft they had class. three first round picks or first overall picks in what, four years? If they hit on something those, like that. Well they had Kyrie. They had Kyrie, Anthony Bennett, and then Andrew Wiggins. Correct. Yeah, but that turned into Kevin Love, and we don't win the championship without Love. Yeah, but I'm I'm saying like imagine if even if we had so Kyrie Irving, and then we got Dion Waiters in too, or was that with Tristan Thompson? Uh, Dion, we no. got the same year as uh shit. We got him like fourth overall. The year we got him with Tr- Tristan, right? No, it no? was Kyrie and Tristan. It was okay. That's yep. okay. and then I think. So uh, the year before, I believe we got Dion. So, yeah, we could have really, if we hit on the other picks. I mean, we could have, even if we LeBron didn't come back. Just look at that situation. You know, would could have had Kyrie, and ugh, I don't want to throw Tristan in here like he's anything because I hate Tristan. Yeah, but, I'm not uh, a huge fan. Kyrie, the anybody else other than Anthony Bennett. <laughs> And Andrew Wiggins would have been a good, solid little young team. So the best you know, player in that we, draft class with Bennett was Greek Freak, who yeah. went like fifteenth overall. That would have been ridiculous. So if you know they might have another chance to do that again, and hopefully this time, if if that's what ends up happening, hopefully they really nail it or do at least a little bit better this time. I think yeah, the talent that's coming out as long as you have a top three pick. That's all that matters. If you can get Barrett, Morant, Zion. And there's a couple guys in that later pick with the Rockets that could be a nice little player. Definitely not a superstar like Zion or Ja or Barrett could be. Yeah. But a nice fit for the team. I think Barrett is a little bit lower on there than... I I think the only really two like firsters are Zion and Ja Morant. I think... I'm, I'm, the Those are still 1A out. and 1B for me, yeah. The jury's still out on Barrett for me. So I'm putting John Morant and Zion in that category. So give me one or one or two. We got a uh, 67% chance. Well, yeah, 67% chance. No. 
No, I'm thinking. Be a, I'm thinking two out of three. That's totally yeah, wrong. No, it's one but, out of six, basically. If we yeah, get the second so, row, so yeah, I'm an idiot. Sorry, but I, I mean that math. that kind of leads us to our next topic of what are a couple things you'd like to see the Cavs do in the off season. So obviously, draft Zion or Ja with the first over first or second overall pick. Um, other than that, I I said it on the last uh, time we talked about the Cavs. I like Tyler Hero a lot, uh, shooting guard from Kentucky. Uh, Dylan Windler, he's a guard forward from Belmont. I think he'll be a nice fit. He's a six foot seven uh, shooting guard, small forward type. He would be a good fit. Uh, I, as, I don't want him to draft a big man because, I mean, we have Nance, Love, Chris, uh, Zidic, uh, Nance, Love, Thompson. Yeah, I, agree. I mean, you know, I agree. we have we have so many guys, so we definitely need guard help. JR will be gone. I would assume that they're going to look to trade Clarkson probably at the deadline. So guard help is definitely needed. I would, I would say like small forward. So that's I think, and I think oh, that's what. So we're just going to say no to Chetty then. I mean, who oh, would you rather on. have started uh, small forward Zion or Chetty? Oh, okay, yeah, but I think Zion's going to end up being a four. He's only like six foot seven, though. Yeah, but he's like. 285 he's, pounds he's strong as hell so i think i think that just makes him like a little lebron because he's, he's very agile for as big as he is shooting wise he's good enough for a four but not good enough for a three and right now i mean nba is pretty much positionless basketball right so chetty and zion can play on the court at yeah, the same time and exactly. like you could have it love is the five zion is a four or love is a four Thompson as a five or Nance as a five, Zion as a three. If teams go, uh, you know, big ball, then you got Chetty at the two. Or even, let's get really weird with it, Chetty at the four, Zion at the five, if teams are trying to play small ball. Like, look at Golden State. That's where um, Draymond plays a lot during their death lineup is the the center position. So, uh, it'd be a, you could definitely get creative with it. I'd like for him to trade one of their big guys as well. I don't know who would have the most value. Probably Tristan. Nance. I would. I. I hope we trade Tristan, but I think yeah. Nance probably has the the most value in terms of contract, age, and production. Love is too old now, way too big of a contract, and his injuries are concerning. Thompson's contract's pretty big, and he was dinged up this year. Uh, Zidjic, I mean. He's not as proven as Nance. Maybe somebody would possibly trade for Zidjic. I don't know what you could get for him, though. Probably. Like I mean, Marquise Chris pick. is scraps, pretty much, at right. this point. I mean, he's a, he's good for what we need, but, I mean, I don't see, like, a, a Denver Nuggets team throwing a late first-round pick for him right? to try and, you know, add depth to their team. Uh, so I would say, yeah, try and trade Thompson. Uh, I don't know who, free agent wise. I'm sure we'll get closer, you know, to the draft. We'll talk more about this. I'd like for them to sign a shooting guard as well, uh, veteran that is. Not like I guess kind of like a J.R. Smith type of guy, older veteran who can help groom a younger guy if we draft a shooting guard late. Yeah, I think what my biggest want for them this off season is establish the timeline for pretty much like the rebuild like they need to start 
getting you know the contracts that they do take on don't get them stuck in big you know multi-year contracts that they're that's going to hurt them down the road they need to start getting the a couple like guys in here on shorter deals i think set like a year you know set a time a couple of years down the road that they really want to line everything up to where they're going to have a ton of open money you know one thing we have even for that one thing we haven't even talked about too we definitely need a new coach I think Larry sure. Drew did a good job for what he came in to do with the firing of Ty Lue, but I, I think moving on and getting a younger guy would probably be the better direction to go. You, now, they have a much worse team, so the results aren't comparable, but he seems very like very much like a basketball version of Freddie Kitchens, like very much a player's coach, like. Yeah, but, I mean, obviously the difference, like, Drew's been around the league forever. He's been an assistant coach a really long time. And Freddie's been around yeah, a good Freddie's amount. Yeah, Freddie's been around forever, wrong. too. But, like, Freddie's innovative. Freddie's innovative. Freddie's uh, very raw and has a lot of potential to be a head coach. I think with Larry Drew, you kind of know what you're getting. And yeah, he's he, a little older, you know, sure. things like that. So, uh, yeah, I think definitely adding a new younger coach would probably be the best we bet should, for them. should uh, call David Blatt, see what he's doing. Yeah. No, thank you. I am good what? on that. Why I'll, would you? Why not? Let, finally, bring him back to do what he was supposed to do in the first place. Nah, we didn't I'm bring okay. him in here to coach LeBron the first time. I think there's a pretty good idea that he would be coaching LeBron. I, I disagree. I don't think they would have brought somebody in like that if they knew LeBron was coming back. I think Dan Gilbert wanted to have kind of uh, because that didn't his last. choice of coach. Yeah, know. but that didn't last very long. Like, So do you think David Blatt would come back? <laughs> I don't know. But no, he probably wouldn't. No. no. And but, I, don't, I don't think Dan Gilbert would want him back either. Because in Dan Gilbert's mind, it's probably, well, if he can't win with LeBron – How's he going to win it all? I would like to see him get an opportunity, though. Uh, another guy. I think he's coaching maybe, back overseas. Yeah. Another yeah. another guy maybe getting an opportunity. Um, I don't know if he accepted the job or not, but I saw that David Griffin was interviewing for the Pelicans. Did yeah. Did he end mm-hmm. up getting that job? or they uh, just Nothing yet. Did the interview? They okay. did the interview. Nothing yet. Uh, did really great for us here in Cleveland, obviously. I, yeah, I thought he was really so, good, too. So, you know, it was baffling when we just kind of let him walk. Well, and Dan we Gilbert for feel you. Like, yeah. You were, you were hyping uh, Dan Gilbert up, talking about how he spent all this money. Oh, my gosh. And, Don't uh, even get me started here. Nah, I didn't say he, he wouldn't even fork out for one of the, you know, a GM who really did a lot of work. Just he, has never, <coughs> he has never re-signed a GM. Because yeah, in Gilbert's in Gilbert's yeah. mind, a GM is not that important. Sure, but the players are, and I I don't know. He I think he's like in the middle ground for coaches. I don't think he totally laughs them off like he does with GMs, but I I don't think he's super committed like he is the player. It's, I don't know. He, I trust me. Dan Dan Gilbert is not a good owner by any means, but he's not the worst one in Cleveland. That's for damn sure. He's definitely not going to go get out, go and get one of those generational coaches. He's, I don't think he's going to find him a Popovich or a Brad Stevens. Or yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Guys. I mean, they're, they're going to probably let Kobe Altman do a lot of that. And I mean, he, I think Kobe's done a pretty good job, all things considered, as well. Do you think when Kobe completes a trade, 
He says to himself, Kobe. Nah, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Uh, but yeah, they'll probably have Kobe kind of head the search on a new head coach and try and get quote unquote his guy. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I know Jerry Stackhouse is a pretty, uh, he was a hot commodity around the league, but he ended up taking the Vanderbilt job. So there's one guy already off the market here, so to speak. So did you see Coach K getting what was it, like a lifetime deal? It was a uh, Calipari, John Calipari at Kentucky. Yeah, then you go by Coach K. No, that is Mike Shevchesky from Duke. Oh, I'm such an idiot. Yeah, it's okay. well, you know what? Duke, Kentucky. There's both big schools. Their colors are blue, and their coaches' names start with okay. K. Excuse me. For Calipari it. starts with a C. Well, it sounds like a K. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Coming up here, we're going to talk about the Browns. There's a few signings, a trade we haven't gotten to. Uh, So we'll get into that. I'll have Brandon study up on the difference between Coach K and Cal Parry, and uh, we will be right back. The listeners must think I'm a fucking joke. It's all right. (laughs) Same here, brother. Same here. Firing. He's going for Landry down. Cleveland Brown is way more than just playing football. It's about being enough. Time to talk about some Browns now. Do you see Baker was at the Indians game the other night? Yeah. Now Saturday he, night. Now he needs to go at, go to every Indians game because they won when he went. They gave him one of the new red jerseys customized with number six Mayfield on it. Yeah, those look nice. Yeah, that, I, really I would like those, those a lot. Jerseys. Yeah, me too. I think they're so sharp. I always liked when they wore red jerseys. I mean, everyone's everyone they do always usually look pretty good. So Yeah, yeah. well, it's way better than the other stuff they have right, right now, too. Uh, so I'll quickly run through a couple transactions that the Browns uh, have had the last couple days here. Um Browns re-signed Orson Charles. Uh, you guys remember him from last year. He was a fullback slash tight end. Uh, seems like him and Baker actually had a pretty good relationship. Is he the one that was a fucking psycho? Yes, he's the fucking <laughs> psycho. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, good to see him sure. return, at least maybe uh, probably battle for that third tight end slash fullback role. Right. Um, the Browns also signing AAF quarterback star Garrett Gilbert. That's my guy. That's my guy. Um, I Going into the AAF, me and Mark both chose random teams. Well, he, he picked Trent Richardson's team, yeah. who, who is trash. But All-time I picked, leading scorer in AAF history. But I picked the Apollos, and they were uh, led by their quarterback, Garrett Gilbert, now a Cleveland Brown, who... Uh, I, I I'm not for sure, but pro- I think was probably statistically the best quarterback in the. Dub- I'm gonna say the double AAF because I have such a hard time saying AAF. Like, I don't know if it's just hey, me. Do what you need to do. It's not. It but doesn't matter. It doesn't exist AAF. anymore. Yeah, man, did they get? Uh, did they really screw the pooch? Right. Yeah. I think. I mean, the guy who just it was like the one like big investor. He just pulled out Peace. <laughs> he, he he wasn't willing to like take the the hit that they probably told him that like he it was probably expected like he wasn't going to be making money like that so well, he shouldn't the... know that it was an investment he 
wasn't seeing it, so they pulled out of the deal. It looks like they're shutting down, closing for business, and uh, some of the free agents moving on to, the, or well, some of the guys from uh, those teams moving on to the NFL. Browns picking up one to come in and uh, compete for you know backup job for the Browns. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I don't know if you saw this. Him and Baker actually went to the same high school. Did they really? Yeah, uh, Gilbert, I believe, is twenty-seven. Oh. So, so he like, was older. So I wonder if he was like one of like Baker's mentor kind of guys in high school or like one of his friends in high school. Maybe uh, he was I like think a the senior, age what... difference was kind of bigger. Cause yeah, I... but he could have been like like uh, maybe like a sophomore, freshman or sophomore when, you know, when that dude was like a senior or whatever. Yeah, but, I don't know. Yeah, very cool, interesting little tidbit right. there, though, for sure. Uh, the Browns also signed... Damon Shihai Giuseppe from Phoenix uh, Phoenix College. The only thing I found out about this guy is he was a good kick returner, punt returner. He was the best in the NJCAA. Uh, he graduated a couple years ago, so he's been a free agent for about two years now. I, I All I've seen is he's fast. Other than that, I have no idea about this guy. Yeah, just somebody probably just can't body. But yeah, you know, right. I mean, John they, Dorsey probably like saw the on, speed. If they like him on special teams, you know, right. Maybe he gets lucky. But um, a couple other moves here: the Browns waived Howard Wilson, Ricardo Lewis, and Derek Kindred, and then they officially re-signed Richard Higgins, Jermaine Whitehead. They did officially. I did not see they re-signed Higgins. They did. Yep, April first. Oh, April that's Fools. awesome. Trayvon Cooley and Justin Burris. That's awesome. Uh, so those are kind of the smaller signings and releasings that happened uh the bigger signing that the browns have made signed safety morgan burnett to a two-year nine million dollar deal with four million guaranteed uh last year he was with pittsburgh but his entire career before that he was with the green bay packers last year burnett was the number 53 safety according to pro football focus uh thing with burnett he's very good in the box uh, he's a very good tackler as well, which is something this team desperately needed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we had the worst tackle rate last year, so having somebody who's a sure tackler is definitely going to help. Uh, and then I think the biggest news since we've not recorded is uh, – we. I, I'm sorry, we actually re- did talk about this last episode, but the Ogba for Eric Murray trade. Uh, yeah. I dug a little bit into the Murray, Eric Murray. Okay. Uh, Murray was rated the 50th safety, according to Pro Football Focus, and he is, it was good for fifth best in the AFC West. From everything I've read about him and kind of looked into, definitely seems like a good fit for Steve Wilkes' defense. He's good at setting the edge. He's able to cover the slot, and he's versatile. He's... Uh, taking snaps at cornerback free safety strong safety you know in the box um from the university of minnesota which is where brian body calhoun went okay so it seems like uh murray might end up being kind of a replacement for body calhoun uh it seems like a good fit though uh obviously dorsey knows him from drafting him in the fourth round uh you know we had uh Former cornerback moved to safety and Demarius Randall last year, so 
hopefully the magic happens again. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see how this impacts their mindset going into the draft, thinking about you know getting a safety if that's going to be something they still look at. I don't think anything's off the table. Maybe, obviously, quarterback and I would say probably like receiver uh, for that number 49 <clears throat> pick. Uh, other than that, though, I, I kind of think everything else is on the table because we don't have a, like, a really big hole in the team. Like maybe starting strong side linebacker. Uh, I mean, you could argue strong safety possibly, maybe offensive tackle, cornerback number two. But I think they're just going to get best player available. I agree, and that's you know it's nice to have the ability to do that. <laughs> to yeah, have, to right. Go into the draft with that mindset, saying you know whatever the best guy there is, no matter the position, you know we don't we don't have to try to solve a big problem with the draft. We just have to add some extra depth with it. And yeah. It's that's n- what's going to be happening through this draft. You know what it's, I mean? So. It's nice that entering the draft, it's like, okay, you know, there's probably three, four, maybe five positions we just need to add depth to or maybe can upgrade a little bit. Compared to years past where it's like, all right, we have five or six massive holes that we need to fill before the season starts. Yeah. At the, I mean, it's a blessing and a curse, though, because now the draft isn't exciting at all for at least I'm not. Know, I, I didn't mentally prepare myself <clears throat> to not be – like super excited about the draft. I got, I'm always super excited because we always have a top 10 pick and now it's like, holy shit. What am I getting? Like, we don't have a first round pick. We don't, you know, like what am I supposed to do? I mean, I'll still obviously watch him a huge draft fan regardless, but it's Mm -hmm. weird. You know, it's it's not going to be the same. (laughs) It's going to, it's going to feel very bizarre this year, I think. So, yeah. Um, early prediction, Obviously, a lot can change between now and the start of the season. I think Burnett is going to end up being your starter at um, strong safety. I Yeah, I agree with that. That's kind of what I was thinking, too. I think what they're going to do with Murray is they're going to play him all over the field. He'll be able to play free safety if they want to put Randall on the edge of corner or in the slot. Yeah. I mean, Murray can play in the slot. He can play strong safety. So I think Wilkes will use him a lot of different ways, maybe set the edge, blitzes, uh, use him to just to be a versatile, kind of like how Body Calhoun was last year. You saw Calhoun play in the slot. You saw him play at free safety. I think Murray just does a little bit more than what Body Calhoun hey, does. You saw how the Chargers were able to stop Lamar Jackson in that hot Ravens offense in the playoffs you know last season and that all they did was throw an extra defensive back out on the field right so and that might be where Burnett comes in you know maybe Burnett winds up at linebacker in those type of situations right then have Murray as your strong safety Mm -hmm. Randall stay out at free safety the more the merrier and regardless both Burnett and Murray are big upgrades over Kindred Kindred was the 98th safety ranks and you got a 50 and a 53rd safe you know rank safety yeah that's, I mean, that's really good. good you know that's i mean mm-hmm. uh and i mean kindred was fine i i think i feel like that 98 ranking from last year maybe didn't justify it as much he had a decent year a couple years ago Yeah, he didn't really play that much right i mean well we didn't yeah we didn't really need him to you know? right um but yeah so i mean obviously a big upgrade there i think and if a guy like Juan Thornhill or uh, 
Amani Hooker that you had talked about last week. If one of those guys are there at forty nine, I still take him because oh, I don't me know. Too. Oh, because, absolutely. Like if I don't know if Murray's considered a strong safety. Like he he might blow away Burnett and end up winning the job. We don't know. Right. But if Murray is going to be kind of all over the field, draft a rookie, learn from Burnett. Maybe halfway through the year he can take over for Burnett. You know, learn yeah. from him and st- end up starting for him. So I mean, that'd be an ideal situation. Obviously, John Dorsey sees something in him. He drafted him. You know, with Kansas City, right? Murray, and, yeah, mm-hmm. and then another one of his guys that he decided to bring in. It, how, we got to get a count on how Honestly, many John think, Dorsey drafted guys. Like, there's got to be like a quarter of our roster are guys I'm, that he drafted bef- in, on some other team. I'm pretty sure that uh, Burnett, when he was drafting Green Bay, I'm pretty sure Dorsey was there as well. So he's yeah, just a lot of, making lot a of habit out of it. My but, guy type of guy. And sometimes... Until it starts being a problem, I'm going to, you know, right. trust I mean, he, Dorsey. He believes in his talent evaluation yeah absolutely and he hasn't you know shown we should distrust him yet so right exactly um so yeah i think i think uh maybe in the third round with the 80th pick a safety would be a good spot as well Mm -hmm. Uh, if they decide to go cornerback maybe if like justin lane falls to him at uh number 49 i think that'd be a pretty ideal fitter now with the trade of Ogba maybe they go with a younger edge guy uh I still love Max Crosby I think if he's there at 80 that'd be a great pick or if he somehow falls to 119 or whatever that uh 114 119 whatever it is yeah I think that'd be a great fit as well um so a couple guys that I've seen that we uh got official visits so every team gets 30 official visits um Jimmy Moreland, a cornerback from James Madison. Justin Lane, <coughs> cornerback from Michigan State. Juan Thornhill, the safety from Virginia. And Jeffrey Simmons, the defensive tackle from Mississippi State. I'm sure there's more. Those are the only ones I could, like, for sure nail down. Did, didn't did you uh, talk about Jeffrey Simmons? After that yes. name sounds familiar. Yep. You did him I in, did. Uh, for yep. one of the breakdowns. Uh, yeah. It was before he tore his ACL. Uh, yeah. And Simmons has a little bit of a rough past. He be, he's the one who beat up that girl who was in a fight with his sister, and he's been like a class citizen prior or after that. So sure, hopefully that's just a one-time thing. And you know, I mean, Dorsey will do his homework on him. Yeah, just I, hearing the name, I was like, that sounds familiar. Yeah, so. yeah. Simmons is hella talented. I mean, he's. I thought he would have been uh, a target at 17, but now with that torn ACL, might not play this year. He could be a target at 49. Yeah, and it seems like uh, when they bring somebody in, it's not just for show. Um, I mean, yeah, we brought in or we ended up drafting or signing a good number of guys that we you know brought in to look at. Yeah, uh, including well, you know what? You go ahead. I'll let you read it. So, yeah, from last year's visits, we either signed after the draft or drafted Baker Mayfield, Antonio Callaway, Denzel Ward, Desmond Harrison, and Zay Coven Henderson. I have no idea who that last one is, though. He's a defensive tackle. We uh, signed him as Mm -hmm. an undrafted free agent. Okay. Um, But, yeah, I mean, there's five guys right there out of the 30 that we had visited with. Right. So... That's a pretty good indication that they, the guys they're bringing in, it's not 
just to for show. It's guys that they're actually looking to actually draft, I guess. You know, a lot of times people will use smoke screens and shit like that. But, um, yeah, so I think Thornhill and Lane are the two most interesting ones to me. Yeah. Especially Lane. I think Lane, he grew up as a Browns fan. He grew up in Northeast Ohio. He would be an ideal fit for us as well, opposite of Ward. He, he might be a guy... If he makes it out of the first round, that's a guy Dorsey calls up to try and get a trade to get him. And Thornhill, I think Thornhill's another guy who's super versatile as well. He's kind of like a he started out his career in Virginia at cornerback uh-huh. and then transitioned to safety. So he would be a guy I think, kind of like Eric Murray, can play all over the field. I can't have too many guys that play different <laughs> spots like that. Yeah, I would I would really like to see us grab uh whether it was a safety, a cornerback, some kind of defensive back and you know, with one of those first couple picks that we have. Yeah. Definitely. It's definitely an area we should be looking to add some more depth. Yeah. Uh drafts what, uh eighteen days away now. <sighs> Two and a half weeks. Exciting. Uh, dude, I I'm, I'm now that we're talking about it, I'm getting a little more excited, even though I got to remember that we don't have a first round pick, but you know, you never know. You never know. Lots of, lots of things happen. I mean, I mean you, with that first round pick, you get what an extra year of control. So mm-hmm. if you, re- if you really like a guy, you know, it can, you've got some incentive to go up and get him in that first round. That's why I believe they went up and got what well, they traded up for Najoku when they did or, uh, yeah, that's why the Ravens traded up to the last pick for uh, Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Yep, yep. exactly. Uh, and if there's one GM in the league that's aggressive enough to go back up into the first round, it is John Dorsey. Absolutely. So he, I, lo- he loves the trade. He does. He I work in the phones. You know, Rams might be a, a target. We've done some trades with the Patriots over the last couple years. They could be a target. You never know. Um, So, yeah, I think that wraps it up with the Browns. Coming up here, we'll uh, move on to doing the hot takes of the week. So stick around. Sounds good. All right, we have reached the end of our show. But before we go, it's time for our hot takes of the week. Oh, my God. Uh, Oh, my God. Oh my god! Okay, it's happening! Everybody stay calm! What's the procedure, everyone? What's the procedure? Stay calm! My hot take is that Garrett Gilbert is going to uh, stick around as the backup on the Browns depth chart, and we will be letting Drew Stanton go. Ooh. I don't know, I mean, how hot that is on the on the heatness scale, but I think it's just he's he showed a lot. I mean, he's got to prove it, and when he gets his shot in the NFL, when he gets into training camp, and then I'm sure he'll get some play time if he as as long as he sticks around, he'll get some play time in the preseason. Which I'm actually kind of excited for preseason now, for oh, that yeah. reason. Obviously, because it's football, we'll be back, but. That'll be a little bit of extra excitement, you know. 
that's what was so hyped about last year is we knew Baker Mayfield because he wasn't the starter was going to get a lot of playtime. Oh, yeah. He's not going to get a lot of playtime, so I was thinking it was going to be really boring. But that can make it interesting for sure. So I think um, I think he might stick around. I think he's going to show that he can be a kind of a quality backup. He can hold it down. He, he looks to get rid of the ball quick. He can make good reads. He can read the field put the ball where it needs to be. So I think they decide to go a younger route. I don't think they're going to, you know, go with a younger option. I don't think they need to go uh, and have three quarterbacks on the roster. So I think they, you know, will like what they see out of uh, Gilbert and decide to move on with him, let Drew Stanton go and roll with Baker and Gilbert. Interesting, interesting. That's that's like a that's medium hot, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because I I know they love Stanton, so. Yeah, I know, and trust me, I wouldn't. Not that I'm even rooting for Stanton to be gone, but I think they're only going to keep two quarterbacks, and I think. I agree. Yeah. So, what you got? What's what's your hot take this week? So my hot take, and it's more of I'd say it's more of a theory. It's a mix between a theory and a hot take. We got a conspiracy theory. Exactly. My theory or hot take is that the Browns secretly have Colin Coward on payroll, and they <laughs> are making they are paying Colin Coward to continually make all of these remarks about Baker and the Browns to ensure that Baker does not lose his chip on his shoulder. Like I said before, it just, I mean, it makes sense in the worst ways, but you can't even give him that much credit. Because <laughs> Coward was, wow. he was a very good radio guy prior. So, like, it it just is weird that he's just piling on one guy. And I get it, it's probably great for ra- uh, TV ratings and stuff, and Baker answers back. But I think... Jimmy Haslam, the sneaky guy he is. Yeah. I think he has him on the payroll and is te- feeding him like things to say, like, oh, say this about Odell. Say this about Freddie. You can even throw my name in there. Throw Dorsey <clears throat> in there. You know, just really rile people up. He, yeah, I think. He, I uh, I'm just saying. I don't know. I think he's just a clown. I can't see. I I want to go back and see what his takes about Cleveland sports were before Baker was here, and see if he was always shitting on Cleveland, or if he's only doing it now because Baker's here and he has like an obligation to himself and his statements and his like. I don't. Even, what what's the word? His uh, just just not being able to admit you're wrong <laughs> and. Have nobody be so stuck in your your stance, no matter how much is proven against it. It's nobody's that nobody's that stupid. I to mean, continually like double down like he has been with this. So <laughs> I, I I think that if the, if the Browns win a Super Bowl, he is gonna be like they're going into the dumps next year. There's no way they can sustain it. They're, well, I I cannot wait to prove uh, him. He's gonna he's gonna find something bad to say when the Browns win the Super Bowl. I, yeah, yeah. cool, good. 
and I can't wait to hear how stupid it sounds. Yeah. I got what what garbage. Yeah. Alright, well I think that's uh gonna be about it for this episode. Thanks that's for uh, do it, listening folks. in. Yeah, thank you guys for listening and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. As always, check out our Twitter and Facebook pages at Cardi Akron Kids. Click follow and like so you can stay updated with the show. We got another giveaway going on, so make sure you go to our page, retweet our contest post, and give yourself a chance to win a great Baker Equals Goat shirt. We plan on doing more as we grow, so spread the word. We're on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, Click our link on Anchor. We'll take you to any of those platforms. So thank you again. We'll see you next time.